Summer Hack. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Summer Hack podcast, where we get to revisit some of the big stories and interviews from Hack over the past year. And this chat was one of the biggest. My interview with Elodie Pullen. You know, losing a partner is something that nobody wants to think about. And when you're in your 20s, it's the last thing on your mind. You're looking forward to a long life together. You're getting to know each other. But the truth is that can all change in a second. And it did for Elodie. Her world stopped when her partner of eight years, Chumpy Pullen, a world champion snowboarder, died two years ago. All of a sudden, Elodie was a widow in her 20s. They'd been trying for a baby. Now she thought that that dream was gone too. But Elodie actually had one last chance. And she didn't have long to make a decision that would impact her whole life. She had 36 hours to decide whether or not she'd retrieve Chumpy's sperm and start trying for the baby that she'd always wanted. Elodie wrote a book about this whole intense experience dealing with grief, and it was called Heart Strong. It's a good read. You should get a copy of it if you haven't read it. I spoke to her earlier this year about the story, what led up to it, how it all played out, and it touched so many of you. You were inspired by Elodie's strength, her resilience, and I still get messages about this one. People still hit me up on Instagram and say, I loved that chat, or it really made me think about things a lot differently, and you can understand why. This is my chat with Elodie Pullen. Summer Hack on Triple J. Elodie Pullen, thank you so much for joining us on Hack. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. Look, I remember the outpouring of grief around the country when Chumpy died. Like, he just seemed like he had so many mates and everyone wanted to pay tribute to him. What kind of a guy was Chumpy? I mean, I didn't even realise until, I guess, he left how much he touched just everyone. And, like, even if it was just through the screen, I think he was definitely kind of that person that when you met him, he left this kind of imprint on you. He, like, has this energy about him. He makes everyone feel comfortable and welcome. He's just like my mum would say, like, he's, like, enchanting. He's got this way about him. And it's, like, honestly really hard to put into words, but he was definitely unique. He was very special kind of character. It's only been two years since Chumpy died, and I imagine it's still a really raw thing, but I'm wondering if you can take us back to that time and to that day, to to what happened. So basically, Chumpy was spearfishing. It was a beautiful day. We both woke up like normal. He looked out the window and it was just stunning out there. You can kind of see the reef and the waves from our window. And it was just beautiful glassy conditions. He was like, maybe I should go surfing or maybe I should go spearfishing. And we were having friends over that afternoon from Sydney that were coming up to stay because we live on the Gold Coast now. And he was like, oh, I'll catch everyone some fish for dinner. So I'll go spearfishing. And COVID was around and he wasn't travelling for snowboarding. So he was recently getting back into spearfishing, which he'd kind of grown up diving with his family. So... It's definitely second nature to him. However, he was holding his breath so long under the water that he actually just basically blacked out under there and he had a weight belt on. So I guess he sunk to the bottom of the ocean and he was found by a surfer. So I guess maybe if he didn't have a weight belt on, he might have floated, but who knows what what still may have happened. So I, I like to just think he fell asleep under there and it was peaceful and I really think it was. So, I mean, it was a freak accident. It was nothing that you could ever have expected, right? How did you find out about what had happened? Well, I had been out walking that morning and I'd felt 
this sharp pain in my chest weirdly like you know obviously I've thought nothing of it I was just like oh that really hurt like kind of stopped me in my tracks I looked at my dog and I was like oh what's happened to my like chat like have I got anxiety or something like I just shrugged it off and I was like oh that was weird anyway I kept going about my day it completely went away I didn't even think about it again until my neighbor came over and she goes I've just read on the Facebook um, Palm Beach reef diving page something or other that I'm not on because her husband dives as well and I saw a chump went diving this morning and I just saw that there's a guy being pulled from the ocean unconscious and I literally just almost, I love my neighbour, but I was busy and I was almost like almost closed the door in her face. I was like, thanks so much, Belle, but it, it definitely wouldn't be chump. He would be the one saving the guy, if anything, and yeah, thanks for letting me know that's really sad kind of thing. And then 10 minutes later it just like hit me that it was chump and it wasn't until days later that I thought, I reckon it was that moment where Chump left this world that I felt my heart like break into pieces back when I was walking. It kind of like the timing, just literally everything kind of added up and it, it must have been that moment. Do you remember much about those first few hours? Because you write about this in the book, those mm. first few hours, a lot happens that's going to change the path of your life really. Is it all a bit of a blur? Was it hard to get back into those memories to write the book? It's interesting. I still sometimes think I'm in shock. It's just the weirdest thing that the state of shock that I was in and the family was in was crazy. And for me, it lasted months. I have this like story of what I tell about those days after because I've I've had to tell it and people have asked and I've told it and I've told it and I've told it. So I've created this story in my head, but sometimes I'm like, I'd love to Obviously, I wouldn't like to go back, but I'd love to like look, you know, as though it was a movie to see what exactly happened. Because if I just like, is what I think happened accurate? Because I was in so much shock, I don't even know. But from what I do remember was being so vacant and out of it. And my head was buried in my knees on my back deck and my brother had come up to me at my house. And there was lots of people at my house. My brother came up to me and goes, hey, Chloe, one of my bestest friends, my mum and my other friend, Laura, he goes, Chloe, mum and Laura are talking about this sperm retrieval thing. I need to ask you, what, what do you think? And from what I remember, I said was, yes, just go ahead and do whatever. I don't know. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I don't, what is that kind of thing? But yes, the answer is yes. I don't even need to know anything else. Just go. So it wasn't like I'd heard of it before. Obviously, I'd never heard of that. Yeah. I mean, and so many young people would never have heard of that, right? Never. It's honestly bizarre. I don't, it, I'd never heard the words before, but the words kind of speak for themselves. I didn't have to, hey, the way that my brother asked me was quite urgent. I guess realistically though, our family was obviously thinking if we don't get the sperm now, if we don't take this crazy weird decision and run with it, we won't have the option or the opportunity in a year's time or six months time, if I'm ever feeling okay again, to go through with it and maybe bring a piece of him back. So in the middle of all this, decisions are being made, your family's running around trying to organise mm. all of this and you're in the middle of the most intense grief you've ever experienced. And I'm wondering, that feeling for you, for someone so young to lose their partner, it's such a unique experience. Like it's very different to someone who's lost a partner who's very old and they've mm. spent their whole lives together. Exactly. Was it hard to find people who understood what you were going through? Honestly, I think the people around us just knew our relationship and knew that we'd been trying for a baby and that knew that we were going to, going to be together forever. So it wasn't a weird, at the time, 
like, I mean, for me, it didn't seem like a weird decision, even though the whole world was, everything in my life was just so weird at that point because he'd, he'd gone. But yeah, it didn't feel like we were all rallying around like crazy trying to do anything. I think there was a bit of paperwork to be signed. But I guess my life and our life was just going on this trajectory where we, you know, had the house, had the dog, had the, the grand plans, like we had our lives in ahead of us. And I've just tried to continue doing what we were going to do and I know he's not here but it now that I've now had Minnie it seems like it was all supposed to be obviously he's supposed to be here but aside from him not being here it's like everything kind of fell into play in a kind of beautiful way strangely enough. You're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with writer, influencer Elodie Pullen about her new book, Heartstrong, the story of losing her partner, Chumpy Pullen, and deciding to have his baby through IVF. We're getting a lot of uh, messages through on the text line right now. Somebody says, crying in the car right now. Another person talking about grief says, I lost my four-year-old sister in a car accident when I was 11. I don't think people knew what to say, so they kept comparing it to losing their grandparents or saying, all things happen for a reason. For me, losing a loved one as a young person, the whole experience felt surreal and disconnected. And Nikita says, my sister lost her fiancé a few months ago. She was 28. She was devastated. She still plans to have his kids. Well, yeah, I want to ask Elodie Pullen more about this. We're talking about this decision to take the sperm retrieval procedure. And people might be thinking, how long do you have to make a decision like that? Elodie, what is the time frame? The time frame is in Queensland and I think it's different in every state. I believe it's 24 hours and I believe the immediate family just has to consent to it. And so was that your decision? It was my decision and his family's decision and they were completely on board. Right. I mean, they knew we were trying for a baby. So every month it was like, oh, no, I, I'm not pregnant this month. And, you know, we'd all be like, oh, damn it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That they like were very close. And what's the procedure like? I mean, I don't know whether you know much about it, but there are probably people wondering how it works. Is it a small, like, you know, not really invasive procedure? I don't think it's an overly crazy procedure. However, I don't really know. And yeah, it's it's actually never something I've fully looked into. However, my IVF doctor who did the procedure is beautiful and since getting Chumpy's sperm. He's now retrieved heaps of other people's sperm who have heard of our story and have, thank God, had the knowledge about sperm retrieval and contacted my doctor, which is beautiful. And when I spoke to my doctor, it's like a quick, quick procedure. So you made the decision, you'd go ahead with the sperm retrieval, it happened. Then what happened then? How much time passed before you decided, I'm going to go through with this, I'm going to undertake IVF, mm -hmm. I'm going to use chumpy sperm, we're going to have a baby... What was the time frame like there? I waited about six months and then I think I woke up one day and I was like, yeah, I'm I'm really ready. I, I need to try this. So did one round, didn't work, did the second round and that's my little daughter, yeah. Chumpy's daughter. And your daughter's here, which is amazing, right? Coming yeah. up to a year old. Yeah. In your book, you write, there are people who have moral, ethical or religious issues with using a dead person's sperm to have a child. People have been very vocal on Facebook about it, but I try not to read the comments. How big was the ethical dilemma for you, though? Like, knowing that you were going to bring a baby into the world who would never know their dad, was that a big decision for you or something that you pondered a lot? There wasn't an ethical dilemma for me. I just, I know what Trump would want to do. So, uh, and I couldn't care less what anyone thinks. 
and everyone around us completely backed what I was doing. And now that it's happened, it's just been so amazing and joyous and meant to be. I'm so sure of what I've done and I'm so proud and happy that I've done it. It's just changed my life. It's changed all of our lives. And he will just be so stoked. And are there a lot of people, other women who've come up to you and said, I've done a similar thing? Or Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So many people. Now, now that this has happened and now that I've spread awareness on sperm retrieval or spoken out about my story, it's not even that I'm trying to spread awareness. It's that I'm trying to normalise grieving, normalise celebrating like a person that's passed away and not making them the elephant in the room. I've been very open and vocal about my story that so, so many countless widows, I almost get a message a day or I always get messages saying, my friend's partner passed away, we're we're trying to go through the process now or thank God for your story, I've now got my partner's sperm and I'm going to do IVF. What about Minnie? Like we said, coming up to a year old, how's she going? She's the best. She's such a legend and she's literally Chumpy's twin. Yeah, she's and that must, that must be a real experience as well. As she grows, you'd be seeing a lot more of him in her. Yeah, and she's just so like, and it's even in her character as well, weirdly, like she's so observant and just cluey and her eyes are just everywhere and she's she's switched on. She's very switched on for an 11-month-old and she definitely doesn't get that from me. <laughs> <laughs> you speak in the book about the criticism. We talked about that, but you say it's not a thing for you. You just don't engage with it. But I imagine there's probably been a lot of support as well, right? Like certainly in your family, a lot of support. But Minnie's godfather is Fisher, Mm. one of Australia's most loved DJs. Like anyone who follows Fisher knows that Mm. he's going to be making a smile. Like that must be good to have a really big crew around her as she grows up as well. He's the best and Minnie is obsessed with him. They've just got like this thing going on. It's so cute. It's beautiful to watch. I'm so grateful for him. And yeah, the village around us, like my friends and my family, but my friends, they're like my sisters and they always have been, but they've like really stepped up and we just have an awesome crew around us. Like oh, everyone thinks they're co-parenting with me, literally. <laughs> it's really beautiful. And what's your advice to other young people who might be going through either the same situation or just another situation of grief and coming to terms with it? Do you look back on your experience and think, wow, if I could have been told something or could know something then, um, this would be it? Yes. I just think all the, like you, you go through the weirdest feelings and emotions and they're all very valid, but at the time you think, am I a crazy person? Why am I feeling this and that? Like The shock is such a beautiful mechanism in that it just really protects your brain and your soul from... It just kept me going. Like, obviously, it's a bit of an awful feeling at times, but sometimes the shock is better than what's underneath the shock when it wears off. So if you're thinking weird things or you're feeling like, why am I out here at a cafe talking to friends? My partner just died like two weeks ago. This is just, I shouldn't be doing normal things. That's valid. You're allowed to live. You're allowed to smile. Sometimes I feel feel happy again now and it's weird to say and I feel guilty to say it sometimes. But then I'd feel guilty if I wasn't happy because I got this beautiful baby to bring up and give her my love and energy. And I hated hearing this, but time, it does get better with time. But I hated hearing that at the start because I thought time is going so long and I feel shit and this is sad and this sucks. Like the worst things happened basically. So I hated hearing that because it just felt like time was going forever, but it really does. And the grief will come in waves and the waves get further and further apart they do. But sometimes they're massive and it feels like you'll never get over it, but you will. You know what? It's a powerful read. Heartstrong is out now and you cover so much in the book. 
Elodie Pullen, thank you so much for sharing your story with us on Hack. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. Summer Hack on Triple J.